Welcome to the Different Skill Notebook Podcast. The Different Skill Notebook is a tool for parents and educators to equip children and teens with the social, emotional, and independent skills needed to thrive in their life. The Different Skill Notebook is the result of the work of Dr. Sandra Savinelli and Anand Salma at the Social Mind Center. They found that parents and educators cannot always identify the skills needed to overcome some of the barriers that the child is experiencing to learning and thriving. The notebook identifies the different skills, tools, and resources needed to overcome some of the learning barriers and differences that are experienced by children and teens today. These are different times, requiring different skills and tools. Join us as we share our smart conversations with our parents, educators, and colleagues to give children the life skills and social adaptation needed to thrive in environments that keep changing. Welcome everyone to the Different Skill Notebook. I have a special guest today and I'm so looking forward to um, sharing her knowledge with you all. Happy New Year. This will be the second podcast that we have for the new year. And we're starting with self-regulation. I always share with you guys how many conversations I have with my clients regarding a certain topic. And I really feel like In this time of COVID and all the changes that we've experienced, self-regulation is really something that has been at the highest topic, at the center. So I wanted to start the series with that skill. And it's to me personally, as a parent and a professional in this field, I find that self-regulation is really the core um, skill for adaptation and for independent functioning. Without self-regulation, it's very hard to succeed in acquiring independent functioning skills. And for my clients and most people that know me personally, they know how much I prioritize independent functioning and independent living for our kids and our families. And that really starts at a very, very early age. So I wanted to start by quickly defining self-regulation in the podcast prior to this, I really get into detail on what self-regulation is and all the different components of it. It's quite involved. But today, what I really wanted to focus on with my clients, her name is Cynthia. Her son is Jackson, and he's one of my rock stars at the center. And he um, has been with us for quite a while. And I've been working with Cynthia for several years And I think that um, it was important to bring a a mom into the picture other than myself that can share with you guys what are some of the things that she's put in place to help um, Jackson acquire self-regulation skills. So self-regulation is a goal-directed behavior. It's how we control our emotions, our behavior, and our body while still remaining focused and on task. And a big component of self-regulation is executive function skills, which I'm sure so many of you have heard that terminology. And so I don't want to get all into detail because you could have multiple sessions on 
executive function, but I do want to gloss over some of the really important components of it so that you guys can hear it. So there are three components, main components to executive function. Um, executive function is the mental processes that have to do with managing ourselves and our resources in order to achieve a goal. And it involves mental control and self-regulation. It involves working memory, which is mine is really bad lately. <laughs> and at my age and 54, I think it's, it's totally, I, I have blank out moments where I cannot keep any information short term in my mind. So you hold the information in your mind while performing complex tasks, right? Inhibitory control is the ability to stop one's own behavior at the appropriate time. Like I probably shouldn't say that. You know, that's a thought, not a talk. That's something we go over in the center all the time, like stopping yourself, right? Or redirecting yourself when the situation changes. And then it's cognitive flexibility or mental flexibility, which allows us to transition from one situation to the other and adapt and, and adjust when needed. So as you can imagine, those are really important fundamental skills that lead to attention, reasoning, emotional regulation, self-monitoring, task initiation, which involves organization and planning. So most of the things that we need our kids to have at school to succeed academically, socially, and emotionally are going to fall under self-regulation. I mean, that's definitely not all. I mean, we have language and social cognition, but for the purposes of today, we're going to focus on self-regulation. And what I'm going to go ahead and introduce, I want you guys to meet Cynthia and have her tell you a little bit about herself. But she's going to talk today about identifying your child's self-regulation needs and then setting up a system outside of the child. Because when your child has um, self-regulation challenges, you're going to have to set up a outside them, outside of them, a support system that helps them to stay on track and regulate till they're able to acquire this skill independently. And sometimes that can be a slow process. So you do have to set up tools and resources depending on where your child's self-regulation weaknesses are to help them acquire this skill. So you have to provide that individualized instruction and tools for them to get themselves on track and organize themselves. So I want her to talk about that. And then I'm also gonna ask her very detailed how she set it up, how it works, how she found out what Jackson's needs are, and then how she's built it incrementally to help him acquire those skills. So Cynthia, welcome to the Different Skill Podcast. I'm Hi. so excited to have you here and, uh, and for you to share with us your experience so that they don't just have to listen to me and my experience and get bored <laughs> with it. Um, also, Jackson's younger. So tell us a little bit about yourself and about Jackson and you know where you guys are now in his um, journey. So I'm Cynthia, I'm 35 years old, and Jackson is five now. He was diagnosed when he was 17 months old, you know, the typical 
um, regressions and he he was completely nonverbal in, in all of that. So I believe we started with you when he was almost two with uh, Dr. Sandra Savinelli and you guys have been um, amazing since. Uh, he's learned so much. He's made so much progress uh, with age. He started just really developing all these different skills that I didn't know that he could possibly acquire and now he's uh verbal he he has more words than I can really say but then he still struggles right he still has the struggles Absolutely. of yeah the transitioning and and very rigid with the routines and all of those things that all of our kids go through so um I think this is such an important topic for us to touch and for parents to really know and for us really with Jackson is like the consistency and helping him out every single day with the daily activities for him. Because what happens when he's not having a good day, then no one is having really yes. a, a good day, right? Yeah, you um, mentioned consistency. That's so important because he probably has a hard time staying on track. So you need to be consistent in how you guide him to stay yeah. on track and, and, and follow his routine. So what would you say was what you identified as his biggest need with self-regulation? Where, where do you think his area of weakness with self-regulation? I think for Jackson really is, uh, it's the transitioning, right? When, when you're, when he's doing a highly preferred activity, which could be playing with his cars or, you know, watching TV or doing something that he really likes and then asking him because now the therapist is here and now you got to go upstairs and you got to start right. working. And especially when he comes home from school that you know that he's already tired from the day. So what do you do there? So what we've implemented in the house for Jackson is definitely the visual schedule. I think um, that really helps them to tell them what's going to happen before, during, and after. So right. even from when we're getting home, I'm already talking to him about it. Um, he has words, but in his understanding, I know it's there as well. And even if he didn't have any words, I will still talk to him like he did, right? So I'm telling right. him, we're going to go home. We're going to wash hands. We're going to eat. And then you have time to relax. But then don't forget your therapist is coming. And right. now right. he knows, you know, now he knows. And then yeah, it's I become part of your routine. So, yep. so you, you identified that his biggest challenge is in flexibility because- yep. Our ability to transition comes from being mentally flexible. So he's inflexible. So yep. the visual schedule and the advanced notice helps him to prepare for a transition. So he needs that preparation for a transition rather than just telling him, hey, Jackson, go. Your therapist is here. You have to go up to your room. He exactly. would probably lock in and not transition as smoothly. Correct. Yes, exactly. And we use a lot of visuals that we have that we've taken pictures of himself doing. So we've taken pictures of himself sitting on a stable with the therapist. So then he knows. And I also have him on my phone. So whenever I'm not home and I don't have the visuals with me, I have a little folder on my phone where I can really help him. Right. And yeah, that that's one of the main things that has helped us with him. Now with age, we've used 
token systems and and stuff like that and and the timers are actually really well for him work well for him so yeah but i think the visual schedule is the main thing because they can actually see what's going to happen in a sequence right and does he have um he has a device so does he have his schedule on his device we do have different folders so what i do is i have morning routine we have afternoon routine and nighttime routine. And then if he just clicks on the folders, then he can see what's the sequence, right? First, we're gonna eat dinner, then we're gonna take a bath, then you can uh, relax for a little bit, and then we're gonna do bedtime story, praying, and all that. We don't use a device as much anymore just because he is having more words. Right, but, right. But I think still just the pictures just really help him so, so much. Right, because I think it's important to discuss cognitive and flexibility right now, because that's like a big thing for children on the spectrum. They sometimes kind of lock in to certain thought or a certain situation. And I guess I should say, too, that sensory impacts that, right? Yeah. Like a lot of our kids have sensory processing challenges. So sensory does influence transitions. Uh, a little bit. So, um, and it, it also plays into inflexibility. So sometimes our kids lock in to a situation, a preferred activity, or I find that when they're tired, you find that they can lock in a lot more and get stuck more yeah. often when they're tired because it's hard, you know, for kids on the spectrum, I think this impacts self-regulation a lot. They have to use their brain for social interactions because it doesn't happen intuitively. So they kind of use their brain a lot more than a neurotypical. So I do think that mental exhaustion is a component of it. So that's another plus of a visual schedule. If they're tired or they've had a long day, it's easier to show them, oh, this is what you can expect today. So they can start to prepare for it, right? And, and they get learn that to communicate notice. too. I feel with Jackson, when he was um, a lot smaller, we used to have the pictures in the room. So when he was feeling sad, he would just go grab the picture and then tell us, right? Or when right. he was feeling tired, he would just run to the room and get it. So we kind of implemented all those things um, that you and Sandra really recommended and they've worked really well. Now that he has more words, now he'll tell me I'm tired, right. you right. know, but, um, but yeah, it's just really giving him the tools to be able to communicate whichever way he prefers. Even if he doesn't want to use his words that day, then just giving me a picture, a picture exchange. Right. Um, right. And right. even when we work during therapy, it's like reminding him, what are you working for? He grabs the picture, whether he wants right. the trampoline or he wants the preferred toy. And then we tell him now that we're working with the tokens, which is still in a picture form. Um, we tell him, well, here, put the picture of what you're working for, you know, and he seems to really understand way better you know? Right, um, right. So that has really helped us. And I think it's really helped him. And the way that we, we, we think that he's just not having as many meltdowns because he's able to communicate and tell us. And I think that's right. the key. They need to tell you. Yes, how yes, because that's the other component that is so often tragically missed with children on the autism spectrum, especially when they're verbal 
nonverbal and verbal, because the assumption is that when a child on the spectrum now, you know, Jackson is more verbal. However, he may have moments where he doesn't have the words to Correct. express himself. So your visuals are a backup plan to minimize meltdowns or misunderstandings. And sometimes they don't understand what's expected. And if they have a visual, then that can confirm for them what needs to be done. And, you know, visuals evolve, like already it's evolving for um, Jackson because, you know, he doesn't need his device as much or he doesn't need the visuals because he can verbally express himself. So there are a lot of kids at the center that don't have a device, but they'll have a checklist on their phone or yeah. they'll have a checklist on their desk or in their bag or in their planner, or we're trying to get them to use a planner to check the planner all the time to see if they're not sure what they need to do or, or where they need to be. They have a resource to help them organize themselves because it's not going to come from the inside. So it needs to come from the outside. And I think that's one of the things that we run into IEPs all the time. Like we were talking about it earlier, Cynthia and I, when we were getting ready for the podcast and we were talking about how a prompt is not always enough. Like, what are you prompting them to? And if you're going to build independence, you want them to go to the tool that they will continue to use so that they can become independent and not prompt dependent, right? Correct. So you're just reminding them. I mean, we all need reminders. We need a to-do list. We need a phone. I mean, I have multiple tools that I use to stay on task. So why wouldn't we give our kids those same tools? And why wouldn't we give them, especially to someone who struggles with managing their emotions or behaviors or can be inflexible sometimes. Um, and I think for parents too, it could be scary at the beginning. You don't know where to start, right? When they told right. me about the visual schedule, I'm like, okay, so what am I supposed to do now? Take pictures of everything and then just stick them all over my house. And the answer is yes, that's what you do. You take pictures of everything and you stick them all over your house because it's not always going to be like that. It was like that for us at the beginning, you know, you put a little piece of masking tape on your wall and then you stick yes. the little picture yes. there and then that's it and then when they get better at it then you don't need to have it right in front of the wall now you can have it on your phone or you can have a folder by the kitchen that's what we have now you know a little strip the pictures are a little bit smaller now because now he knows and he's familiar with it yeah but you have to give him the tools and depending on the age then right and if you have a child that's nonverbal, you want to know what they're thinking so if yeah. you set up, you know, if you have a device and they can guide you to what they need, then you guys can have a better understanding of your child's needs. When a child can't communicate their needs, of course, they're going to melt down more often. And of course, you're going to have more behaviors. And yeah. that's what we see with a lot of the kids at the center that have um, don't have the communication skills yet to share their needs. They're very frustrated. Yeah. So this kind of cuts that off a little bit. And of incrementally, of course, now you're not so dependent on all the visuals, but you still have some visuals and your visuals are evolving, right? With yeah. his needs and, and working for him, you know, eventually it'll come a point where he can create his own visuals, right? Like what he needs, like we have kids at the center that can verbally tell us, you know, Miss Anna, I need a break right now. 
I can't do this right now. That's well, a skill. That's what he's doing as well too now. That now we have a card that it says the word break. And now he knows that it says break. The other day we were driving and then there was a magazine and then I, I was just giving it to him just to look at. And then he said, break, because it did say break. I guess he memorized that it said yeah. the word break. <laughs> yeah, that was my son's favorite card, the break card. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I yep. need a break. I need a break. And, and they do. And we should say that, that, you know, when people struggle with social, with self-regulation, they do need breaks because it becomes very overwhelming. And, you know, there's no reason to, to have not to be able to stop and regroup. You know, I do that, you know, if, if my son taught me anything was to take breaks professionally in my work, I, I step outside, I go for a walk, you know, I get a drink of water. So why wouldn't we allow them that same, you know, privilege, right? So I wanted to ask you another question, Cynthia. So we, you definitely affirm visual schedules. I know now that one of the goals that you're working with on with Jackson is exposure to new things. And this, this is a big component to helping him with his flexibility, right? Because our yeah. kids can be, you know, once they get in that routine, which, you know, it's, it's kind of like controversial. It's like an enigma, right? Like you set up a schedule, you set up a routine, you set up, you know, all these rules for them to help them organize. But then sometimes they get inflexible about changing up their schedule, Right. So yeah. I know that you've been introducing new things to him and inserting new experiences into his routine so that he can be exposed to new opportunities and to, you know, new skill acquisition. Right. And mm -hmm. one of the things that we were talking about was going to restaurants. Yeah. And that was one of your goals and having him, you know, for children that have that struggle with self-regulation, restaurants can be a nightmare because, you know, they can be loud. There's a lot of people. Then you have to stay seated. So yeah. can you talk a little bit about your restaurant uh, challenge? I know that was one of the <laughs> challenges that we talked about. And, you know, I, I shared with her how I that was a big goal for my husband that we would be able to go out with our kids to restaurants. And so I shared with her how, you know, how we incrementally built that skill for our family to be able to go to a restaurant and share that experience. And it'd be pleasant, pleasant for Jackson, right? As well as pleasant for my kids, because you don't want it to be a nightmare for them. So yes, tell me and a little bit about that. For you and your family. And I think it's very important to just kind of incorporate your your kids into your weekend or weekly activities. Because for us, we were a very active uh, family before Jackson. He's my only child, but my husband and I would go out to eat and brunch all the time. So when we had Jackson and we started like dealing with all this um, struggles with him going out, um, it was just, it was hard. So that was one of the main goals for us uh, last year and we started little by little so kind of disrupting the routine a little bit so we kind of started at home so 
things didn't have to be the same at home anymore. Bath time didn't have to be um, right before eating. Now I was starting to do bath time after eating as well. So right. changing up the routine. So you brutal. sabotaged a little bit. Yes. You intentionally sabotaged his schedule a little bit and you started with one thing at a time, right? Not a and bunch of things. Started at home. One thing. Yeah. And you started it at home, which is a safe space, which is kind of shifting the table around. If he was eating to the left, now we're eating to the right. Yesterday, actually, I flipped this room around and my husband's like, are you crazy? He's going to lose it. And he did great. I moved the bed towards the window. Then I move it towards the other wall. And then I just get him used to that. It's okay to not have everything the same. So with the restaurants, it was the same thing. One morning I just got up and told them, look, we're going to go pick up Starbucks. And then we when we went in and out and the thing with with my child is that with Jackson is that he's he's hyper he's very hyper he's very curious he wants to look what's in the kitchen he wants to look what's behind the counters so we made it a very fast in and out experience and then little by little we started extending it but we also kept it very like we have it at home so we were bringing in the food that he was having at home to the restaurant so he knew that even though it's an unfamiliar place it's also familiar because he has the same breakfast that he normally gets in the morning and then of course we like we always said we were ready to pick up and go at any given time right Um, we try to sit outside instead of sitting inside so if it was a little bit louder if he would get a little bit louder it wasn't as bad and we also try to go early so for breakfast we started with breakfast we will be there right when the restaurant would open so it was less people so he's still getting the exposure of sitting on the chair and doing all those things you you adapt pressure yeah you what you did is what 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 self-regulation is is adapting right you adapted the situation to meet his needs and that's what we want to teach them you know in the future it may be that he rather sit outside at a restaurant than inside and that's okay yeah you're giving him choices and options rather than you know um if you don't expose him to these new things then he can't expand his skill set right because it's hard for him to do that independently at the moment because he can be a little bit inflexible so you're showing him new things now can you tell the families listening and the parents do you think that you started with one goal at a time like is that what was easy for you because you were mentioning before how overwhelming it is you know when you're looking at our kids and the skills that they need to acquire how do you decide which is the most important or what should I prioritize over other skills? I do. I mean, Jackson, like many of our kids and all of our kids, really, they have their own goals through therapy. But as a mom, I always had my personal goals that I needed to achieve in a, in a year. I would give myself a year. And the restaurant was a big one. And we accomplished okay. it last year. Okay. Um, this year, we have a new set of goals. But um, for for us, which is the, the potty training, really, you know, that's, that's right. a hard one right. for that's us. That's a big year. one. But yeah, I mean, just setting myself with goals as a mom and then really helping him every day. And again, with the visual schedule, it has been um, 
easier for us to do it. We have the visual schedule to go to the restaurant and I tell him, and now he right. knows that we're going to go there and I have rules for the restaurant and I make him repeat the rules. So he already knows we stay quiet. We wait for mommy and daddy to finish eating. Then right. we pay and then we go. And usually right. what I do, I just did this recently for my parents dinner. We have never been out to a dinner place with my parents and my family and it's eight of us so I knew it was going to be a big outing and it was going to be a long outing so what I did is I took them to the park before going to the restaurant I told my parents we're going to meet at one at 11 45 I was at a park he ran around he released some energy and when we got to the restaurant he stayed there for two hours Yep. Because he had already released the energy. Yes. I brought his food. I brought his preferred food and, you know, his iPad, whatever he wanted to do. And, and he did great. But just yeah, sometimes caring. you have to compromise depending yes. on the situation. You have to compromise so that they get their needs met. And I always tell families this. If you ensure that your child's needs are met and we're, you know, we're talking about children, you know, with learning and thinking differences. Yep and their needs are different, then they will meet you halfway. And that's what we always said to my kids, like it's mom and dad's turn. And we still do that. It's mom and dad's turn. It's your turn. You know, we're going to do what you like first. We're going to go to whatever activity and then we're going to do this. But we never cut them off from doing our end because they have to learn to adapt because you and I were talking earlier, the world doesn't really adapt to them. Mm -hmm. So that's what self-regulation is. The core skill in self-regulation is adaptation. It's helping our kids adapt and meeting their needs so they can adapt and showing them how to meet their needs. And I think that that's what you were doing for Jackson. So we were also talking about, you know, and this will be like our last topic to discuss is independent functioning. And that's why I'm doing this series on self-regulation because self-regulation is a critical skill for independent functioning. So, and I know how much you prioritize that goal. So would you say that your mom goals revolve more around independent functioning um, for Jackson? Absolutely. And, can you, and can you tell me a little bit about that? Why, why do you think independence and, and navigating his environment independently is so important to you? Well, because I want him to be independent in the long run, right? So I have to give him the skills right now being so little um, in order for him to do things on his own. I think like a great thing that you've told me is that even if later on in life he needs help, it's going to be much easier to find someone to help him, telling him to do things rather than doing it for him. So right. for us, we kind of do everything in a playing manner. Okay, mommy's okay. going to dress herself. So now it's your turn. And they might not have the gold or the skill, uh, the, the skill just yet, but you work on it little by little. It is so right. important for us, for Jackson to do things. And we give him the responsibilities. This little, we go to Target and I tell him, well, mommy's going to shop first, but you're going to help me because mommy's going to make dinner. So what do we need? start putting things in the shopping cart. And then I teach him, well, this is now the way we're going to check out because we don't leave the store without paying. Right. So now we right. have to, you know, and then, and he loves it. Honestly, he loves it. He loves to be included. If I'm cooking, I put him next to me to stir right next to a right. pot or something. Right. And I think every children just 
likes to be included. You have to yes. make them feel that they're helping and, right. and just play with them. And, and, you know, I think that that is just really setting them up for success for later on. Yeah. And, and with Jackson, I mean, that's really, that's really helped us. Um, just being independent for him is just, it's our priority. Cause we're, we don't know until when we're going to be here. Exactly. He's an only child. And we yeah. just need to make sure that he can be self-sufficient. Yes. And you know, that's my mantra at the center, being self-sufficient yeah. and helping our kids be independent. And I think what the biggest takeaway that you have shared with us today is how you set it up. You set up things for Jackson to be able to do these things. And I think that's a critical component when you're dealing with children with thinking and learning differences that impact self-regulation, that self-regulation requires you to set it up yeah. because internally they can't set it up. But once you set it up, they can follow it, they can copy it, and they will eventually be able to do it themselves because you're modeling it. But without it setting it up, it's very hard. And, you know, I should say that this is so important because this year I've been in countless IEP meetings and I feel that the school system has still a lot to learn with setting up strategies for children with learning and thinking differences so that they can be successful. And they, they very much stay at a prompt and a prompt is not sufficient. They need yeah. a strategy and a visual schedule is a strategy. You know, Jackson, go check your schedule. Where should you be? Do you need help? Even teaching them to ask for help if they're not sure what they need to do next. That's a very critical skill for independence. So we don't want to just prompt kids because the reality is they will not have, you know, a personal assistant to remind them throughout their entire yeah. life what they need to do next. That's not the point of making them self-sufficient. They need the prompting to the strategy, to the strategy, not just prompting. But I options think too, I believe, right? Options and options living. and choices, exactly. Because yes. they may need a break. And for mm -hmm. kids starting out with for younger kids, um, it's important, especially I think that that is so important. I'm so glad you brought that up with cognitive inflexibility. And when a child is stuck, it's never helpful to be like, but you have to do this, or this is what you need to do. You give them a choice. Like, do you need a break first? And then we can get started. Do you need two more minutes? And then we'll get started. You need to give them a choice because they're kind of locked, locked in and you don't want it to become a power struggle. Right. And eventually they will learn to provide their own choices and bring them up to see if they're acceptable. Like they can ask the teacher, I need a break right now. And that's what we're working towards, right? Them being able to implement their own system and set it up so that they can be independent. Well, Cynthia, if you had one more last thing you wanted to tell our families, what would it be? Um, just to be really consistent, you know, get to know your child, know what they love, um, learn their, what they want to work for, what they want to do for fun, and then really take that into your advantage, you know, look for any opportunity that you have to turn it into a learning opportunity when you're right. driving, when you're playing with them, when you're cooking, introduce language, just never really give up 
you know you right, giving right. up it's giving up on them so right. don't 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 focus on don't focus so much really in the future just kind of do what's what they need right now for right, today right. and the you rest is meet them where they are meet yes. them where they are yeah. yes and yes. also try to enjoy them because i yes. feel that you get so caught up with the diagnosis that you know it's just a diagnosis just yes. every kid has the ability to do different things, their potential is different, and just enjoy your children. You know, play with them, run with them, and there's they're only little for such a short amount of time. So yes, that's kind of what we do. Don't become a taskmaster. Everything <laughs> is in a task, right? Like, yeah. you know, there has to be times where you just don't do that. I, actually, I'm terrible about that. In the center, I get assignments from parents. Can you help so-and-so with their homework? And we end up building blocks. Uh-huh. So I get in a lot of trouble for that. I don't, <laughs> I tend, but, but yes, that is important. Like sometimes just, you know, you want to have goals, but you don't want your relationship with your child only to be about the goals they need to acquire the skills. Sometimes the goal is love, affection, and acceptance, you a know, thousand percent, just yeah. be consistent really. And just have a, an idea of what you want your future to look like and work towards that, but don't put so much pressure on yourself. Just really do your, your therapy, surround yourself with great people. You guys have been lifesavers. I, I come to you guys for everything. Um, Thank you. And, and it's just been really, really helpful. And yeah, just Try to get one thing at a time done. There's so many things you're going to have to work with your kids, but just don't overwhelm yourself. Just, you know, take it one day at a time and everything is going to fall into place. And get help with prioritizing. Sometimes it is hard to prioritize, but, you know, you can always get help from, you know, your therapist on what what is the most important things. And in the next couple of weeks, um, I'm going to be working on that. How do you prioritize goals with self-regulation? And that's why I'm actually doing self-regulation, because it is a really important skill and you really can't get a lot of other things done without tackling it. And that's how you determine where your goals are. It's based on your child's needs and where their weaknesses are at. Not really on a diagnosis, because I think people get confused by that. Like, oh, my child has an autism diagnosis. Yes, but every child on the spectrum is completely different and their skill sets are different and you have to target their skill gaps. So your goals should be based on their skill gaps, not on autism. Because every child is unique. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time to join the Different Skill Notebook podcast so you can share with our families and they can hear some of the conversations that we have at the center every day. (laughs) And because I always tell them that I've learned the most from my clients because you guys bring to me some of your challenges and it forces me to think through what are some of the solutions, the strategies. So it really is about being part of a team and a team effort. So your providers should be a team. It's, it shouldn't be a one way thing because the truth is my belief is that, you know, your child best because you're the mom, you know, so the mom and dads really know their child, even if you don't think you know your child because you don't really understand their diagnosis yet or you don't understand all their needs. You still know from when they wake up in the morning till they go to sleep, you're the one that's there. So, you know, more than you think, you know, right. Yep. 
So you have to believe in that. So I really appreciate you taking the time and I look forward to having you on again because, you know, this was <laughs> like super, you. super smooth. So I really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Our, our time went over a little bit today, but I know that it was, we really covered some things that I thought were important and it was important for you to hear it from someone else, someone else's perspective other than myself. I look forward to the series on self-regulation regulation and um, learning more about independent functioning and how that relates to self-regulation. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for joining us at the Different Skill Notebook. The script is available on the Podbean site and at socialmindcenter.com. We can also be reached through our website.